This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Eighty-one thousand five hundred. Eighty-one thousand five hundred. Uh, it might be hard to believe, but that is actually the number of times that the average person will check their smartphone on a given year. Eighty-one thousand five hundred times. All of those buzzes and beeps and chirps that are calling for your attention—they all add up, don't they? Well, as we dive into a little bit of this today, uh, I want us to realize that, start, for starters, that just during this sermon alone then, you're going to be tempted eight times to check your smartphone if you're watching or listening. I just want to thank you in advance for your amazing self-restraint as you just, you know, resist all of those urges and give this your undivided attention. But listen... Uh, that little rectangle in your pocket in mine uh, is playing a huge part of our life these days. And it has me, as one of your pastors, uh, concerned. Concerned. Uh, I want to tell you, though, from the onset here, I, I'm not against smartphones. I'm not against technology, okay? Uh, so you can relax on that note at least. Uh, in fact, I like how John Piper put this when he wrote, for, for all the abuses and all the devastation of distraction, wasted hours, narcissistic self-promotion, and pornographic degradation, I see the computer and the smartphone as gifts of God, like papyrus and the codex and paper and the printing press and organs of mass distribution. If you live long enough, pray earnestly enough, and your focus is on the imperishable word of God, you can be spared the slavery to newness. Over time, you can watch something wonderful happen. You can see overweening fascination give way to sober usage. I like that, and I agree with it. And I'm here this morning to let you know I'm not going to advocate for digital monkery, as one guy called it, so you can relax there, but, but I am concerned. I am concerned. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if we were talking that you too have a gnawing concern in the back of your mind about all of this digital usage. Because although the, the digital world is playing such a large part of our everyday life, we've actually given very little thought to how we should or how we shouldn't using it. And as a Christian, if you're a Christian, that should concern you. That should be concerning. And although with this topic, we, we could talk about a lot of issues here, right? We could talk about all kinds of things. I want us this morning to zero in on just one of the digital aspects that not only needs more consideration, but more importantly, it needs more framework and instruction from the Word of God. And that's the area of social media. Social media. The question I want to, in fact, raise and have us answer this morning is, is how would God have us to engage or disengage with social media? How would God have us engage or disengage with social media? 
Now, just in case it's not obvious to you as to why we need to talk about this issue and receive some more instruction here, let me provide you with just a couple of key factors. All right, first of all, social media is not like your personal journal, although some of you are using it that way. It's not. It is, in fact, far more like a digital billboard for the exchange of ideas, all of which is, is, is being carefully guided by algorithms to and away from certain content, during which every step along the way is being carefully notated and recorded for future marketing purposes and more. So this is an arena that that is incredibly public and recorded. And let me assure you, your use of it can have major effects on your Christian witness and on our witness as a whole church. In fact, if you're, if you're listening or watching right now and you're hearing that and you're somebody who's not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, I can almost guarantee that, that you're just inwardly nodding along, right? Because your perception of Christ and his church has been largely affected by what you have seen positively or negatively on Facebook. Now, aside from the public aspect, social media, with all of its stimuli, with with all of its affirmation and its funny memes and more, it is actually highly addicting. Addicting. In 2014, 70% of Facebook users, on average, they checked it every single day for 15 minutes. That, folks, by the way, is better than the average Christian is doing with Bible reading. Okay? And speaking of the average Christian, uh, they check their phone first thing in the morning, just like everybody else. And, uh, and, and I don't want us to raise our hands this morning for this, but, but if we were to get surveyed in here, I would be willing to bet that just like everybody else, before you even got out of bed, you had checked your phone and probably social media. And I guarantee you, you probably checked it well before you engaged with the scriptures. So social media, in whatever form, Instagram, Facebook, etc., is amassing tons of our very valuable time and our very valuable attention. But not only is it highly public and addicting, it is oftentimes being fueled by outrage. See, outrage is viral. It is a spectacle that is very difficult for us to resist watching, for us to resist looking at. In fact, we've even developed little terms for this, specifically for social media, terms like popcorn. Popcorn. Urban Dictionary defines popcorn as a term commonly used on social networking and message boards during uh, disagreements to announce that the speaker is deriving amusement from this altercation. The term also indicates that the speaker is not otherwise going to participate in the argument. It is used by itself as an interjection or as part of a phrase that indicates that the speaker is going to sit back and enjoy the show. For example... Bob, 1329, you're an idiot, the cup is red. Alex the Tetromech, no, you're an idiot, your brain perceives the cup is red. Squiddle Fishman, where did I put my popcorn? Listen, watching, participating, and instigating outrage is powerful. 
and lies and anger and foul language and name-calling and nursed bitterness and slandering of reputations, it all serves to feed the outrage culture on social media. So gang, obviously this is an area of our life that needs more instruction. It needs more consideration and specifically instruction from the scriptures. And the scriptures, by the way, are entirely relevant on this topic because guess what? None of this is new. None of these problems that we just went through, none of that is new. It just has a new context. It's not new. It's the same old problems. It just has a new context. And so we need... This deserves our attention so that we can see how God would have us to engage or disengage with social media. And there's a starting point for this instruction that has the power to make all the difference. And I want to invite you to take a look at it with me from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Now, if you're keeping score at home, uh, Pastor Dave touched on this passage last week, but I want us to take a deep dive into it and, and, and specifically to be seeing how this, a text, how this text applies to social media. Now, in this passage of Ephesians 4, 17, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing here, and he's writing to certain churches. One of them uh, is the church in Ephesus that we have in this letter. He's probably writing these in a series of letters from prison. And this particular passage in chapter 4 here, it breaks down into two halves. So we're going to look at this in two halves. First, we have verses 17 to 24, and then we have verses 25 to 32. And the way it's structured here is using contrasts. This is filled with contrasts. And as we dive into this, these contrasts are going to provide us with some greater clarity on this particular issue. And so take a look at the first half of this with me, Ephesians 4, 17. Now I say this, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now now here is where the first and only contrast of this first half is going to be set up. Verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So that's the way that that God looks at somebody and the way that they're living apart from him, apart from the life that is in him. And so this is also a description then of somebody prior to following Jesus Christ, prior to being what we call a Christian. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be, and to put on the the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now pause there because This is where our instruction needs to begin. Friends, Christian is not a Facebook status. 
Christian is not a detail about you on your about page. It is the very essence of who you are, period. It's not part of you. It's not what you do occasionally or anything like that. No, it is your whole life, your whole being, or it's nothing, period. You're either in Christ or you're not. There is no kind of Christian. That is what Paul is contrasting here. There is an old self and there is a new self. There is no in-between self. That's not an option. He says that, that assuming that he's talking to people who have been made new. They have heard the gospel, heard as in accepted this message about Jesus and have been taught it correctly. That was the right message. And so if that's you, then we're told that it's time to leave behind the old sinful ways. So then we, should, we could actually summarize this this way. Don't miss this. What God has done for us positionally demands a change in us behaviorally. Let me say that again. What God has done in us positionally demands a change in us behaviorally. That's the point here. See, being made new is to be the beginning point for doing everything else in a new way, including how we engage or how we disengage with social media. The, the language here, by the way, of, of put on and put off uh, is uh, a language that, that, that you would kind of use with, with clothes. Okay, this is, this is clothing language. So, so all you fashionable people in here, both of you, um, this, is, this is what's... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is what's going on. It's layering. Think of this like layering, okay? If you've put on the Jesus t-shirt, that means that you've got to take off the old oil-stained rag that belongs in the trash, and then you're putting on the, the jacket and the jeans and the socks and the shoes and the scarf and the hat that goes with the new outfit, all right? The, keeping the other stuff on, too, it, it just wouldn't work, right? It, it doesn't fit. They don't go together, That's the metaphor that Paul is employing here with put on and put off. You're to put on and keep putting on ways of doing things that are now consistent with the new self that you have become in Jesus. So this isn't just some nice suggestion, right? When when Paul says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, it wasn't a suggestion. It is an outcome being commanded. This is the way it is. This is what you are being called, commanded into. So whatever the context, digitally or personally, The question has become this. What is the person, work, and teachings of Jesus Christ, the gospel message, look like in Adam? What does it look like in Amy? What does it look like in Chris? What does it look like in Christine? What does it look like in you? That's the question. And if that's you, when we think about this specifically with social media, Here's where that leads us in building a framework for our question. That's this. We have a new profile defined by Jesus, and it demands integrity. We have a new profile defined by Jesus and demanding integrity. 
That's our starting point for how we engage or disengage with social media. Uh, My favorite definition for integrity is this, tried and true, through and through. Tried and true, through and through. See, friends, what you say you believe and what you do are to fit together. And they are to be consistent throughout your life, whether you're here or whether you're there. What you do on social media and anywhere else is to have integrity. And as a Christian, then there is not one square inch of your life or mine that can be kept safely from Jesus Christ and the example that we are to follow in him, even our digital life. Nothing is off the table. But see, some of us are ignoring this with social media. And our church, Alliance Bible Church, and our community, we have a problem here. There's an issue with this. We are living, at times, two very different lives, and sometimes literally. We've got two profiles going on. Let me give you some examples. Maybe in person, someone seems like they are a mature Christian, but on social media, they're secretive, they're corrupted, they're foul, they're bitter, they're argumentative, they're lustful. On the other hand, on the other hand, with social media, somebody, they might look almost flawless. They might look and sound almost perfect. And yet, in reality, Their family is a mess. They're bitter. They're quarrelsome. Their home is filled with shouting matches. And of course, some people, they look like the exact same person on social media as they do in person. What you got online and what you got in person had no difference whatsoever. They are who they are. The only problem is this. Neither one of them looks like Jesus. Neither one of them looks like Jesus. Neither one is being renewed in their thoughts and actions. They both look like the old self. They both lack integrity. Because as a follower of Jesus, you have a new profile. It's defined by Jesus, and it demands integrity with you wherever you go. And this problem... It's not new. Gang, once again, this is not a new problem. It just has a new context for it. A new context and a new challenge for us to live it out. Because we're to be defined by Jesus, even online. So then how do we need to grow at that digitally? With how we engage and disengage with social media? Well, for that, I want to invite us to turn back to the text and to look at how Paul is going to unpack this for us. Paul moves here from contrasting our old and new position with contrasting then the old and new behaviors that correspond. And he lists here five contrasts that provide us with a great set of practical instructions for how we are to engage or disengage with social media out of a new profile is being defined by Jesus. Let's take a look at how we're to cooperate with God's work in our life here. Uh, 
Verse 25, we have our first contrast here, and it's dealing with truth versus lies. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And here's where we can pick up our first takeaway then. Application one, only what is true should be posted or shared in social media. Only what is true should be posted or shared on social media. Gang, I know that we live in a proud and a fast-paced culture that wants to be first and never wrong. Am I right? First and never wrong. But let me tell you, that offers you and me incredible temptation to just shoot stuff out there publicly without being accurate. So slow down. Be thoughtful with what you say to make sure that it is true and that it points people towards what is true and what is right. Both matter there. Because listen, being right doesn't necessarily make you righteous. Being right about something does not make you righteous. In fact, look at that with me with verses 26 and 27 here. Be angry... And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Here we have righteous and unrighteous anger being contrasted. And then with how we are to engage or disengage with social media, here's our takeaway. Application two. Never engage anger as an excuse for sinful reactions or allow it to be prolonged. Never engage anger as an excuse for sinful reactions or allow it to be prolonged. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been right and rightly angry on Facebook or some other social media platform? Have you ever been right and rightly angry? You know, a while back I was uh, in a conversation thread with some friends of mine. And while on there, uh, one of my friends made a private joke that wasn't so private, about somebody else. It was, a, it was a joke at somebody else's expense. And the person, I, I knew them personally. And so that was very upsetting, right? And so uh, what do you think your pastor did? Well, I shot with them at both barrels. <laughs> I unloaded both barrels at the guy, came straight down. I, I figured, listen, this guy shouldn't have done this. He's in the wrong. You can't say that here about so-and-so. And he'd make that joke. You know, that's, everybody knows what that means. And, and you did that publicly, and he's in the wrong. So I'm going to meet him publicly. I'm going to set him straight. You ever felt that way? I bet you have. But you know what? Being right doesn't make you righteous. Being right doesn't make you righteous. See, I should have gone to my friend, counting him, as the scriptures say, as being more important than myself and following Jesus' protocol for how to handle conflict with a brother. In Matthew 18, I'm to go to my brother in private first. I should have had integrity by handling my context and my words which was exactly what I was accusing him of not doing. But by the time I started to think about that and deleted my comment and reached out to my friend directly, he had already seen it. Damage was already done. 
And although we worked it out, it took twice as long. It was twice as hard than if I had just simply not only been right, but then acted righteously and gone to him in private first. Friends, this verse is a warning against sinful reactions when we're angry, even rightly angry. And it's a call to diffuse our anger today so that it doesn't fester. Anger wars against our self-control. It makes it easier to type things and post things and watch things than we would ever do otherwise. And with the outrage culture on social media, we need to wake up, church, and we need to realize that this isn't okay. And that Paul is pointing out that prolonged anger gives the evil one an opportunity to tempt us further. That's the opportunity. That's the danger. We can't wait around with our anger. We need to diffuse it even if it is something that we should rightly be angry about. Even then. But let's keep moving here. Look at the third contrast with me. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Once again, we should be having integrity between our new profile defined by Jesus and our use of social media. And here, with honest labor versus theft. And here, as a Christian, your employer should not be robbed of your time and your attention to detail because of your use of a social media account. It shouldn't happen. Right? I know it's addicting. I know it's easy. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is inconsistent with who we are. Application number three comes into play here then. Disengage from stealing time with social media. Disengage from stealing time with social media. Listen, I know that some of us do have to use social media for work. But there, even there, we should exercise caution to focus on our work and not on our personal lives. And for the rest of us, in spite of how addicting social media scrolling can be, we need to put the phone down, not even open up the app or the tab so we're not even tempted. And and you might even need to take a break or, or, or get it off your phone altogether to get some space from this so you can get righted here so you're not tempted. But this applies to us, whatever your work might be. It implies, it applies to you if you're an employee, but it also implies to you if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a stay-at-home dad, your family should not be robbed of your time or your attention or your energy because of social media. And as a student, this applies to you too. Your family and your community should not be robbed of your education because you're addicted to social media. We've got to change here, folks. We have to move in the right direction. Theft is not consistent with a new profile that's defined by Jesus. And so we need to have integrity with when we engage or disengage with social media. Now the fourth contrast here, rotten versus wholesome talk. We've been waiting for this one, haven't you? Right? Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
our takeaway here with our words and how we use them on social media is this. Aim to bless others with your words out of the blessing that God has given you. Aim to bless others with your words out of the blessing that God has given you. See, the word uh, corrupt here or unwholesome talk or speech here, this is distinguishable from, from lying or from shouting or from slander that's listed elsewhere in the passage. This is describing foul, abusive, hurtful words. These are words that are meant to cut. They're meant to tear down, not build up. When we do that with others, though, we need to realize we grieve the Lord. But I wonder if we really get that. That God sees everything we post, even the private messages. He sees everything. And when we tear down another human being that he created, it grieves him. Your sin is not just against whoever it is that you wanted to go write such and such about. It is grievous to God because he created them. Even digitally, this matters, not just in person. And see, this is all the more important because this is public. It's recorded. It's so, it's all the more hurtful and powerful. As Ray Ortland has wrote, with social media, we can now harm and embarrass and stigmatize people with greater force than ever before in human history. Self-restraint has never then been more important. It's not hard in an outrage fostering culture to hurt people with our words. That's why we need to be truthful and gracious in our speech. That's what we're to be aiming for with social media. Now, I realize that you're not responsible for what someone does with it from there. You're not responsible with what somebody does with it from there. Uh, my wife Adele and I, we, we have a, a running joke about my compliments. Uh, because I will say things like, you know, honey, your, your hair looks very nice today. And what do you think she says? You think she says, oh, thank you so much, John. That's such a nice thing for you to say. No, what did she say? Today? <laughs> what do you mean today? <laughs> right? So our running joke is, is that if I give her a compliment, and you can take it two ways, take it the other way, right? Take it the other way. Listen, you and I, we are accountable for what we say, when we say it, why we say it, but the text leaves us there, right there. It leaves us at the attempt when it says that it may give grace to those who hear, that it may. That's our aim, that our words be truthful, helpful, a blessing, and that is what we are accountable for. Verse 31, final contrast, bitterness versus compassion. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that's as in shouting matches, and slander, as in trying to damage people's reputations, be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Our final takeaway for social media usage is this. Engage with compassion and disengage from bitterness. Engage with compassion and disengage from bitterness. Friends, you've been given a new profile because God forgave you when you didn't deserve it. So forgive. Work stuff out. Don't be a busybody. 
but direct people to the right channels. Bless those who curse you. Don't rant at them. In fact, our engagement on social media should be marked by compassion, not shouting matches. That's using all the caps if you're not familiar. Not shouting matches. It's not to be marked by reputation takedowns, but compassion. That's not the way for us. Follow and befriend then people, by the way, who are going to help push you in that direction. Those are the people you should be following because then when, when you're tempted to do otherwise or when that friend is tempted to do otherwise, you can encourage them to forgive and to bless instead of curse the other person. Compassion. We, as brothers and sisters in Christ, need to encourage one another in this way. That's how our engagement or our disengagement with social media has integrity with our new profile. But I know, hearing all of that, all of these ways of how you should, how you shouldn't be engaging with social media, I, I know it can feel overwhelming. It can feel burdensome when we hear this. But let me tell you, when you are operating out of integrity with who you now are in Christ, where you are, you're putting other uh, people first, you're, you're, you're putting away the lies, you're not giving anger the keys to the keyboard, right? You're not stealing time with social media or using hurtful language. And instead, you're, you're speaking the truth and, and you're doing so out of self-control and in a way that, that builds people up. You will not be experiencing greater burdensome ways, but rather you will be experiencing greater wholeness. You will experience greater wholeness because the way that you are operating operating out here will have integrity with who you are in here. It won't be burdensome anymore. Instead, it will be whole. Christian integrity isn't burdensome. It's fitting. It's like wearing tennis shoes to go running or gloves to shovel the snow. And that's what I hope, and that's what I pray that you experience as you engage or disengage with social media in a way that is being defined by a new profile. That's the hope. But you know, the starting point for some of us with this, it is not doing more posting, but it's with doing some repenting. It's coming to God in sorrow for the way that we've grieved the Holy Spirit with what we've said and with what we've looked at and what we've shared. It's doing business with him, seeking his forgiveness and his help to change as we cooperate with a new way of living, with how we've treated others and how we want to move forward in treating others. And that's turning then to do things differently. As we approach the communion table this morning, this is where I want to take us. This is where I want to invite you to go with the Lord, to do business with him, where you are working through, where where what he is bringing up in your heart, you're not ignoring, but you're repenting for, you're recognizing the changes for, You're recognizing the person that you need to make things right with. And so before we we open up the elements, I want to provide you with, with space to just do that in silent prayer for a while. To take this 
to the Lord first. And so I invite you to do that in silent prayer, and then we'll come back together and pray. Can we pray together? invite you that whatever the Lord's putting on your heart, to have courage. Lord, we want to come to you, Father, because we want to be imitators of your son, Jesus. We want to walk in love and to do so following the one who gave himself up for us as a fragrant sacrifice to you. Father, we're reminded of that as we come to the communion table, we're reminded that you gave your best. You gave up your son out of love. And that we could be cleansed of all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, including all the ones that we've been thinking about in this sermon. Father, we don't want to walk away from here with greater guilt. We want to walk away from here with greater freedom and filled with a heart full of love for the other that maybe we need to work things out with. So, God, give us the courage. Fill us with the love of your son, Jesus, that helps us to move towards others. And we thank you in advance for the grace to be able to do that. And as we participate in the communion supper together, God, we thank you for the grace that all started at the cross. We pray this in your name. Amen.